Amen. By the way, we won the Super Bowl. Uh, that was the only loss they had from third grade through sixth grade. We won it, and uh, Hank performed marvelously. So uh, just just so y'all will know that. You know, it, we've been talking over the last couple of weeks about rebranding ourselves with a new year and a new decade, and we've looked at ideas uh, of service, and uh, we've looked at growing and maturity. That was a couple of weeks ago. Didn't quite get finished with that. I'll swing back to that in the future. Uh, Justin talked about community. Um, then Nathan last week talked about what it means uh, to, be a pro to be a protector. And so today I want to talk just about our character. Uh, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna be the kind of men that God wants to use and can use, we have to develop our character uh, through life, and we're gonna talk about that. I came across some uh, just some quotes, pulled up some quotes. How many of you know uh, Lee Corso, uh, Game Day, ESPN Game Day? Here's how he described character. He said, "The true test of a man's character, the test of a man's character, the true test of a man's character is how they treat people in their life they really don't need." Do you know what I'm saying? How do we treat people in our lives that we truly don't need? You know, it's one thing uh, to treat someone nice that you need something from, right? Uh, treat your parents uh, uh, nice. Do something for your parents because what do you want? You want money to spend for the weekend or treat someone nice who you need. You, you need them to do something. He said the true test of a man's character is how they treat people that they don't know. If you go all the way back uh, to a guy named Heracletus, he is a, a Socratic a philosopher in the Greek uh, uh, society. He grew up in Ephesus. How many of you ever heard of Ephesus? Fourth century BC, prior to Christ. Um, he um, he's known as Hierocletius uh, the Obscure uh, because he was known for pithy phrases that everybody's like, "Yeah, really, what does that mean?" Uh, if you've ever heard the phrase, uh, "No man ever steps in the same river twice," how many of you ever heard that phrase? That goes all the way back to him. The point is, the river's gone. It, you may step into the same place, but it's never the same river. And it says, and so his actual full phrase was, uh, "The same, the same man is never the same man that steps into the same river twice." In other words, we all change. The reality of it is, if I come back a year from now, something is different. Not just physiologically, but probably my character, my attitude, and everything. But here's what he said uh, in the 4th century B.C. about um, our character. He says, the content of your character is your choice. Day by day, what you choose, what you think, and what you do is who you become. It's your character. Let me say that again. Every day, the content of your character is your choice. Day by day, what you choose, what you think, and what you do is who you ultimately become. Back at the founding of our nation, um, Thomas Paine, you remember him, inspired so much of the American Revolution. Uh, he says, character is easier kept than recovered. How many of you know that? Character is easy. To, it's easier to keep your character than recover from a mistake. It's easier to keep your reputation than to recover from your reputation. And so as we think about the idea of character today, if we're going to rebrand ourselves, there might be some guys here today that, you know, and maybe, maybe it's not public knowledge, but maybe in private, maybe with your spouse or maybe with your kids or maybe with someone at the office or someone in your past. You need to rebrand your character just a little bit, and you need to recover uh, your character. And the truth is the only thing we can do is make better choices and do better things as we journey forward and let our genuine character either be changed and refreshed and renewed 
or what do we want to do? We got to let our reputation come back because we all fail in many ways and in different ways. And so we're going to rebrand ourselves. It starts with our character. Probably if you look in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, that is what is referred to as the hall of faith. There are a number of folks, both men and women in there, uh, that are called out in Scripture, that are called out in Scripture, uh, that, uh, that really, as you think about who they are and what they're about, uh, that they're not all perfect people. I mean, Samson makes the hall of faith. Now, there's not much about Samson that deserves to be in the hall. Uh, there are some women in there that are righteous, and they deserve to be there. But one of the men that we'll find in there, and, and is in really one of the largest sections of the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, is devoted to the man named Moses. Now, Moses wasn't a perfect guy. You remember Moses uh, uh, ended up growing, up growing up in Pharaoh's house, but rejected Pharaoh and ended up leading the children of Israel out in desert. My guess is from time to time, uh, as he was listening, those grumbling Israelites. He was longing to be back in Pharaoh's house. Uh, I exchanged that for this. Uh, I exchanged everybody listening to me because I was Pharaoh's grandson to listening to all these people grumble and gripe because they don't have the water they need or the food they need or the water we give them give them is a little bitter. And so that's really uh, Moses that we're going to look at today. And so as we think about Moses, I'll, let me just read what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23 to 29. And we're going to come back and we're going to draw out some of these ideas of really what it means to rebrand our character, redevelop our character. It says, pick it up, verse 23. It says, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child, and they, listen to this, were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, it says, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to be known as Pharaoh's, uh, the son of Pharaoh's daughter or Pharaoh's grandson. He chose to be mistreated instead, along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of, great, as of greater value than the treasures, all the treasures in Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his ultimate reward. Then verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, anger and he, he persevered because he saw him who was invisible. Then look at verse 28, by faith he kept the Passover, and the application of the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Then verse 29, by faith the people of Israel passed through the Red Sea on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they ultimately were drowned. You know, as we think about uh, that, just, that phrase and we think about our character, everyone in this room, there are four questions, guys, and they're answered right there by Pharaoh. There are four questions that all of us have to ask and answer about ourselves. There are four questions, and I want to give you four questions today and then tell you how, how Moses answered the question and then let you just kind of digest how you answer the question. Here's question number one as we think about related to uh, our character. It's the identity question. Who am I and who am I going to be? Have you settled that? 
I mean, ha have you settled that? There have been times in, uh, uh, in my life that I think back and go, well, who am I really? Am, am I a dad? Am I a husband? Am I a pastor? The reality is I'm all. Uh, am I a friend? Am I a good friend? Uh, am I a worthy pastor? Am I a worthy husband? Am I a worthy dad? Am I good at this? You know, we have to ask those questions. Who am I? That is ultimately the identity question as we think. Look at what Moses, it says about Moses in verse 24. It says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You know, it's been said that people are inspired by talent, but God is impressed by our character. And that shows a lot of character. All Moses knew, now basically, you know, he's born, he didn't really know his parents, but his parents had faith. They ultimately gave him, uh, gave him over and he ended up in Pharaoh's house. But the truth is, there came a point in Moses' life where he had to make a choice. And so I love those words, by faith, when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That word refuse, you might want to underline it or circle it or if you're taking notes, that, that the base, uh, base or the root word of that Greek word means to reject. He rejected the idea of that's who I'm going to be known as. Guys, for us, as we journey into 2020, there might be some things that we are known as right now that we need to choose to reject. That we need to say, you know what, that's no longer going to be in 2020 who I am. Maybe in 2019, that's who I was. 2018, that's who I was. Maybe the whole last decade, that was who I was. But that's not who I'm going to be now. And if you think about Moses, he had the opportunity to live in lavish luxury. Uh, because if you looked at Egypt in that day, it was much like America. Man, almost all of the world's wealth, if there was any significant wealth in those days, it was in Egypt. I mean, Egypt was the powerhouse of the world at that point. And to be one who grew up as grand, the grandson of Pharaoh, that's a pretty big gig. You understand? I mean, that, that's a good gig. And he rejected that. He says, that is not who I am. And, and so, guys, if there are things in our lives um, that we are known as now, is there something we need to reject to say, when I journey forward in 2020, that's no longer what I'm going to be defined by. That's no longer who I'm going to be defined by. That's no longer what I'm going to be defined by. You know, the truth is, you know, being who God wants us to be is ultimately what's going to make us the happiest, regardless of our circumstances. See, God didn't create Moses to live in a lap of luxury in Pharaoh's house. God ultimately created Moses to journey around in the desert for 40 years leading a grumbling people. Now, put those on the scales, right? Pharaoh's house, having everything I want in the desert, leading a bunch of people to the promised land that I'll ultimately never get to go into, but that's what God has created me to do. And, you know, there, there are some here that part of God's lot in your life is you're going to journey through the desert for long seasons of your life. Part of God's lot in your life, you might be the person who gets to be the witness in Pharaoh's house. I don't know the difference. I don't know, you know, what God has in your plan, God, in, God has in, as planned for your life or your life or your life. Or your, all I know is what God has planned for my life. So I'm going to encourage you with that idea. 
Ask yourself, who am I? When you look back on 2019, are there some things that people became, began to know you as that you know that's really not who I am? I will promise you, I, I can think back on, on seasons in my life before I ultimately surrendered the ministry that I was doing some things and known for some things that even in those nights, I knew that wasn't who I was. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We've been there. That we did some things and maybe everybody said you're funny or you're this or you're that, but you'd put your head on your pillow at night and going, this is not who I am. And so guys, if we're gonna test and improve and rebrand our character, we gotta ask and answer that question. Who has God made me to be? And Job, all the way back in Job, don't turn there. Stay there in Hebrews chapter 11. Job 10 verse 8 says, Your hand shaped me and made me. Man, God created you with who you are. With your desires and your passions and your personality and your gifts and your talents and your skills. God created you and shaped you and made you. We talk about it around here at, at Cottonwood a lot that, man, if you think about that word shape, and you can think the S could stand for spiritual gifts. God has spiritually gifted every person in this room. Let me ask you a question. How are you using a spiritual gift? The H in shape is a heart. And God's given you a heart for certain things. And, and, and your heart's desire and my heart's desire are not necessarily the same. The, the A in shape is abilities. God has given me some abilities and you some abilities. They're different abilities. Well, when you think of spiritual gift, your heart, or, your, or your, whatever it is, that you, you, what you desire, and then your abilities, then you take that P, it's personality. I know you might think some of y'all don't have personality. Everybody's got a personality. Might not be a good one, right? No, everybody's got a personality. Some people are dry. Some people are jovial. Some people are very expressive and outgoing in their personality. Some people are not. You know, the, 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 we had this dialogue last week as we were waiting for the doctor on call to roll in. And, you know, and, there was, and, and, and at one point Susan said, I hope I like him. And the reality of it is when a doctor's coming to perform surgery, I don't care about his bedside manner. How many of you know what I'm saying? I want to know that when he opens me up, he's really good. I don't care if he can chit-chat. You know, that's what we want, right? Personality's different. How is God created? Some, some, some folks, God's created you with a personality that it is effervescent and it's up front. And it's always in front of the crowd. Some people's personality is in the back, but just as important. And then that last E, and guys, write this down when you think about shape. It's your experiences. Don't ever waste an experience. Everybody in here grew up in a different family with different parents, with different people, with different siblings, with different experiences in different places and different houses and different everything. And all of that is your shape. And that's how God has shaped you. So the question is, who am I? Well, who has God shaped me to be? Who has God made me to be? Who do I need to be? And so question number one we always have to ask ourselves is, who am I? Here's the second question, and you see it right here. And, and Moses, he rejected the idea that he was the grandson of Pharaoh. 
And for some in here in 2020, we need to reject the idea that we are Satan's grandchild or Satan's grandson or we're this or we're that. Here's question number two, you ready? Every man in this room has to ask and answer the responsibility question. The responsibility question. What will I do with my life? And write this down from this point forward. What will I do with my life from this point forward? You can't, do un, you can't undo one thing you've done in the past. You can't undo one experience you've already had. But there is a responsibility. What will I do with my life from this point forward? One of the quotes that you've heard, this was more of an expanded version about our character. He says, watch, uh, man said, watch your thoughts because they ultimately lead to your attitudes. Watch your attitude because it will lead to your words. Then watch your words because they will lead to actions. Watch your actions because then they will lead to habits. Then watch your habits for they will ultimately lead to your character. And watch your character because ultimately it's what determines your destiny. And as we think about that, my thoughts and my words and my actions and my habits, and then ultimately my character determines my destiny. And so what will I do from, with my life from this point forward? If you jump down to verse 25, Hebrews chapter 11. Chapter 20, excuse me, verse 24, um, uh, Moses answered who he was. I'm not going to be known as Pharaoh's grandson. Now he made a choice what he would do with his life from this point forward. Verse 25. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. If you got the ability to take notes, underline two words. He chose. He made the choice. He made a definitive choice to choose one thing over another thing. Once he settled his identity, I am not uh, Pharaoh's grandson, then he made a choice. Here's what I'm going to do with my life from this point forward. Guys, write this down. Next to salvation, the best thing God ever gave anyone in this room was the ability to choose what you will become from this point forward. Next to your salvation, the best thing God gave you is the ability to choose what you will do with your life from this point forward. Now, that's also the most dangerous thing God could have possibly given us. If you're like me, there have been those seasons in your life that you can think back in the past where you weren't living in congruence or in accordance with who you knew you were. And you would also say, God, help me not do that again. Anybody ever prayed that prayer? God, help me not do that again. Uh, I remember praying the prayer, and you've probably done God, force me not to do that again. Now, my parents were good at forcing me not to do certain things again. But I've never had God force me. I've never had God force me not to do something again. But the best thing God ever gave us was the ability to choose salvation. The second best thing 
he ever gave us is the ability to choose what we will become from this point forward. Guys, we all have that opportunity. And we get to choose to take our shape, our spiritual gifts, our hearts, our abilities, our personalities, and our experiences. And we get to say from this point on, here's what I'm going to be. I'm no longer going to be who I'm not going to be or, or who, I, who I don't want to be. I'm going to be who I want to be. Man, our choices. What will I do with my life from this point forward? Where will I work? How will I do? How will I serve? How will I use my talents, my skills, and abilities? How will I spend the rest of my life? I get to make those choices. Now, there are some things I can't choose. Uh, there are some things I can't choose. I, I can't choose how long I'm going to live unless I choose to end my life then that'd be a destructive behavior that would step in way of God's ultimate plan for my life and it would keep me from seeing what, what Job ultimately saw, saw was God blessed Job at the end of, his part, end of his life more than he did at the beginning. But, but as we come to that idea of he chose, what are you willing to choose? What am I willing to choose? Am I willing to choose a life of sacrifice from this point forward where I'm going to say, God, uh, I'm not perfect? And, and by the way, newsflash, God knows. If you show up to God and say, hey, God, are you willing to use me? By the way, I'm not perfect. He's not going to go, really? He knows that. But he invites every guy in this room, regardless of your past, regardless of your personality, regardless uh, of your family of origin, regardless of this. What will you do now? That's the beauty of God's grace. And if you look in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, 9, and 10, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, lest no one should boast. Then verse 10 says, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for future good works. Man, God still has good works planned for everybody in this room. You want to know how I know that? Not because I'm a scientist, not because I'm a rocket scientist, not because I'm a religious scientist. You want to know I know God still has good works for everybody in this guy, guy in this room? Because you're still here. And most of you are still breathing. And some of you are still awake. That means God still got something planned for you guys. The question is, will you choose the right thing? And that's a question we all have to answer, man. You know, as we think about our past, here's what I've noticed about my choices, and you've probably noticed the same thing about your choices. All my choices have consequences. Some are more noticeable than others. Some are negative and some are positive. Some negatively affect me, and some negatively affect me and others. Some negatively affect just others. Some of my choices have a positive effect on me. Some of my choices have positive effect on me and others. Some of my choices have positive effect on me, others, or just others. Every choice I make. So here's the good, good part. I get the ability to choose from this point forward because God gave me that opportunity not only to positively affect me, but me and others around me. And that is a great thing. That is a beautiful thing when we have the ability to be rebranded in that, in that way. And 
just, I want to invite you to write these three phrases down. When we think about, I get the ability to choose what I will do with my rest, rest of my life. When it comes to your journey with God, here's three thoughts. Thought number one is no man in this room can live off someone else's spiritual commitment. No man in this room can live off of someone else's spiritual commitment. Doesn't matter how spiritual your dad is or your brother is or your buddy is. You can't live off their spiritual commitment. The good news is this. Their lack of spiritual commitment can't hold you back. If you grew up with a dad and he didn't walk with God, that doesn't mean you can't. If you're surrounded by siblings who don't walk with God, that doesn't mean you can't. If you have friends who don't walk in the faith in a strong way, that doesn't mean you can't. There's the positive and negative. So thought number one is no man in this room can or has to live off someone else's spiritual commitment or lack of spiritual commitment. Let me give you a second thought. No man in this room can blame someone else for the direction of their life from this point forward. Now that's not a lovey-dovey feeling type statement, is it? Guys, nobody in this room can blame someone else. Who you are from this point forward, what you become from this point forward is on you. It's your choice. Here's thought number three. You have the freedom to choose what you become. I can't live off someone else's spiritual commitment. I can't blame someone else. I get the ability to choose. So question number one, who am I? Question number two, who will I be known as from this point forward and what will I do? Moses rejected the idea of being Pharaoh's grandson. Then he said, instead, I'm going to choose to be mistreated with the children of God outside. Now, if you want to see a little bit of a legacy, it's kind of interesting. When we think about Moses, if you think of Moses chose not to be grand, Pharaoh's grandson, who is his protege? Come on. Who is his protege? Joshua. So when Moses died, Joshua took over leading the children of Israel. First thing God had to say in Joshua chapter 1, when Moses is sitting there looking at, the, you know, uh, looking at the Jordan River and knowing that Jericho was on the other side, God had to show up and said, Hey, uh, Moses, my servant, is dead. Go ahead and lead the people in. And Joshua, my guess is, stood there and just looked with wide-eyed, and God said it again, Don't be afraid. Go across. He's still sitting there with wide eyes going, Moses is gone. And God a third time said, don't be afraid. It's right over there. 
Then you go all the way through Joshua chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, all the way through verse 23. There are some high points. There are some low points. There are some winning points. There are some losing points. You heard, you heard Nathan talk last week about you know Joshua chapter 7 and Ai and Achan and all of those things. Jericho, the big victory. Ai, the big defeat. Then you go to Joshua chapter 24. And the legacy is intact. How many of you remember the farewell comments in Joshua chapter 24 that Joshua gave to the children of Israel? He said, choose ye this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, what did he say? We will serve the Lord. Moses made a choice. Joshua followed him. Joshua made a choice. Joshua then gave the children of Israel the opportunity to make a choice. Guys, it doesn't matter where you've been to this point. All you can do is make a choice, begin to live who God wants you to be, and then you leave the legacy to the next person down the road. Now, I wish I could say I track all the way through then 1 Kings and 2 Kings and 1 Chronicles and 2 Chronicles and all the children of Israel always chose to honor God. They didn't. They didn't. But the legacy was there, and oftentimes you would see the power of Moses' choice rise back to the surface and a revival would come in. So guys, we get to make the choice what we do from this point forward. Here's third question. I've always got to ask the question about my priorities. From this point forward, what is important to me? Not what was important in 2019, what was important in the last 10 years, but what's important to me right now. Guys, when you get in your car, you get on your motorcycle, Rex, uh, whatever, you gotta ask yourself the question, what's important to me? As I journey back today, what's important to me? If you're married, my wife's important to me. If you have kids, my kids are important to me. If you're going to the office, you know, my job's important to me. For, uh, funding my family, providing for my family. Those are, my character's important to me. My relationships, my friends are important to me. My church is important. My spiritual walk is important to me. You're going to choose what's important to you. And then we need to learn to act accordingly. Here's what it says, verse 26. I'm just tracking from Hebrews chapter 11 the four questions that Moses asked and answered for himself. Here's that question of what's really important. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 26. It says, he regarded, underline that word regarded, because we're going to come back to it. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ, as of greater value, underline that greater value, than the treasures of Israel, because he was looking, looking ahead to his ultimate reward. Now, as we think about that, uh, that word regarded literally means he evaluated. Uh, that, that, that Hebrew, in Hebrew sense, it's almost a scales of balance. If someone was going, going to go buy some grain or, uh, or, or, or something, they, they, would, they would go in there and they would... <coughs> they would have a, uh, a scale there, and they would, they would weigh it up. And they would weigh it again. It says he evaluated the treasures of what it meant to be, and there were lots of treasures, the grandson of Pharaoh, compared to the treasures of Christ. It says Moses evaluated that. 
Can you imagine whether it was those brief moments or perhaps months or long seasons when Moses sitting here going, I'm an Israelite. I'm an Israelite. I'm an Israelite. But boy, it's really nice being Pharaoh's grandson. And guys, don't we do that all the time? I mean, in a small way, don't we do that all the time? I mean, we evaluate what I have in this world and whatever it is or what I think or my possession and then commitment to Christ and sacrifice and there are seasons and moments of spiritual passion where we're like, man, I'm all in on Christ. And then all of a sudden we become, yeah, I really like what I have in the world. You understand what I'm saying? That's what that word regarded. We all, guys, every one of us, I will tell you, as your pastor, I walk through life constantly with the scales in my life, having to regard what's the most important thing for me going, this, going forward. And so do y'all. And I love what it says about Moses. He regarded as of greater value his commitment to Christ than being Pharaoh's grandson. And my, my, my prayer is that you and I, beginning today, will keep making that same decision that he did. Christ, 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 Christ. Think about the world's value system, man. It's all about power and prestige. It's uh, all about having pleasure. It's all about uh, wealth and possessions. And, and look back to verse 26. Man, the treasures of Egypt is what he's talking about. In verse 25, uh, he chose to be mistreated. Man, that's not very pleasurable. Boy, it would have been more pleasurable to be Pharaoh's grandson than be mistreated. Go back to verse 24. Uh, he'd rather be known... Um, as anything but being the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I mean, he made some choices. I'm going to get rid of the power. I don't care about the prestige. I'm going to not worry about my own pleasure. I'm not going to worry about wealth and possessions. Man, he evaluated it all and says, my commitment to Christ is what's most important. And so here's the fourth question. This will be the difficult question. How much am I willing to commit to become what God wants me to be? You know, this, this question is probably, uh, for most men, where, where, the, where the rubber meets the road is the issue of commitment. What am I willing to commit? And it's probably also where most men fall flat is we know what we need to do. But am I willing to commit to do it? You know, when it comes to service in the church and commitment in the church and doing things for God, man, usually women are the first to step up. Your wives. My wife. Because, men, we're committed to other things. We're busy. This is the difficult question. What am I willing to commit in 2020 to be the man that God wants me to be? And let me give you a little evaluative statement 
and I'm not a prophet nor the son of the prophet. But I can tell you this. The measure of who you are in your faith come this time next year will be directly proportionate to the commitment you make for the next 12 months to your faith. If you commit a lot, I'm going to get into God's Word, I'm going to serve, I'm going to study, I'm going to learn who I am, I'm going to walk away from some things, I'm going to, do, I'm going to choose to say no to some things for Christ's sake. If you do that in large measure for the next 12 months, you will see large spiritual growth. If you keep tossing God a token, we won't see much. And guys, that's a difficult question. But notice what the outcome was. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27. It says, by faith, he left Egypt. Not fearing the king's anger, the Pharaoh's anger. Instead, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Underline that word visible. You know, there's a lot that is said these days about that word visualize, right? You've got to visualize success. You've got to visualize this. Visualize, you know, whether it's our body image. We've got to visualize who I want to be. You know, a lot of times we think, oh, that's some new age philosophy, right? Uh, we think, okay, I'm going to stare, stare at some stones or I'm going to look at my navel, all right? The idea of visualizing is not new. It is extremely biblical. He says, because he persevered, because he saw the invisible. Let me put it to you another way. That word saw can also be translated visualize. You want to know why Moses was successful? Because he was able to visualize the invisible. He was able to see the possibilities with God. And so guys, when we hear and think and everybody's telling us visualize success and visualize this and visualize the new you and visualize your new marriage, all of those things are good. But let me tell you what. First person ever visualized the invisible wasn't somebody talking on TV wasn't some yoga instructor. There were people in the Bible, people like Moses, who said, visually, it seems like it would be better to stay Pharaoh's grandson. But when I closed my eyes and visualized the invisible, how much greater still is it to be a child of God Serving the God who spoke the world into existence. Believing that he's got me right in his hand. And all I have to do is make a commitment that will change my life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. God, thank you for each and every one of these guys. And God, as we leave here today, I pray that we would ask and answer those four questions. I, I pray that there would be men here they would perhaps get in their car right now and just choose to turn sports talk off for a few moments as they drive.
Turn the music off. Just say, God, who am I? God, what do you want me to do with the rest of my life? God, help shape what is really important to me. And God, let me commit more than I've ever committed before to you. In Jesus' name we pray.